0: Please return your seats and we turn our Bibles to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, we will read up to verse 9. Chapter 7, verse 1, up to verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I commence reading from verse 1. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. I am acting with great boldness towards you. I have a great pride in you. I am, com- I am filled with comfort in all our afflictions. I am overflowing with joy. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest but who are afflicted at every turn, fighting without and within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you, has he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me? So that I rejoiced still more. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I though I did regret it, for I see that the letter the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice not because you are grieved, but because you are grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. Let's pray together. Our fathers, we come before you. We come conscious that we are coming before a holy God, a God. Who is sovereign, a God who is the epitome of goodness, love, and mercy, a God who knows the sorrows of our hearts, the state of our minds and hearts at this moment, but a God who, come, who calls us to come before him and worship. As we open up your word, may God the Holy Spirit strengthen us for this brief time to hear you speak, for there is no other comfort that we can have than hear you speak to us through your revealed will. And so we ask, O God, that strengthen the hearers as well as the preacher. Let your word come authoritatively. Let your word come instructingly. Let your word come comfortingly to all of us this afternoon. Father, be pleased to glorify yourself in our midst. For the sake of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. The news of Mansa's illness or sickness in the course of the week came to all of us as a shock. From leading a Bible study on a Thursday to a hospital bed, and about an hour ago or so, we just got the news that he's been promoted into glory. And a lot goes through our minds. We have fond memories of him. And as we process all these things, the comfort that we have is from God's word. He was scheduled to preach today in Monze, and in the course of the week, he was getting ready to go to Monze, but alas, the study that he laid on a Thursday was to be the last study that he was to do before the Lord calls him home. And the only thing we can say is the words of Job. For the thing I feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes upon me. And as we turn to God's word this afternoon, it is clear that we are all downcast. It is clear that we are all grieving. It is clear that this is a difficult moment for us, for the Mbewe's, and for our dear sister Sonile. And we can only turn to the God of all comfort, the only being who can comfort us in this moment, the only God who is our God, is the only one who can strengthen us in this moment. The second letter of Paul to the Corinthians is one of the longest letters in the New Testament. It seems to have been written over a period of time. Paul, as he traveled from place to place, he carried portions of his scrolls, and he would write on those scrolls and put together the letters. And then he would add various sections of uh, his letter at different times. And the words of our text commences a different section, but also in in another sense it takes us back to what Paul addresses in the beginning of the second letter of of, uh, the book of Corinthians when he talks about the God who comforts us. But also you notice that when you get to chapter 2, and verse 12, he, he writes, <coughs> Excuse me, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though, even though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went to Macedonia. And so you see, it's like this section is connecting to what he has written in chapter 2, that when he went to Troas and did not find Titus, he then left and went to Macedonia, even though in Troas there was a door of opportunity that was opened. And afterwards, he now proceeds, before he gives instructions, he now proceeds in our portion of scriptures to talk about his experience as he journeyed from Troas to Macedonia. In fact, as he moved from Macedonia to Troas and he got to Macedonia, and just what his emotional experience was, he was in many ways downcast. And the reason is that as he got to Macedonia, he did not find his dear brother Titus. But before he gives us counsel on encouragement to generous giving, before he gives counsel on uh, repentance that is godly, he opens a small window to help us peep into his life and just see how he was battling with all the anxieties in his life, all the anguish because of the fact that his dear brother Titus was not there. He discloses his emotional state at that particular time. And he says there from verse 5 to verse 9, particularly verse 7, that he was deeply downcast. He was deeply downcast. But in his state, he also points us to the God who comforts us. And this is true this afternoon. That even as we were coming here, before we got the news, we were still downcast. Just the fact that we had heard the news of his hospitalization. There was a sense in, in that we were downcast. Wondering whether the Lord is hearing our prayers. Wondering whether that which we feared will finally come. And the cure we have is God's word. And as we turn to God's word this afternoon, may God encourage our hearts as we dive into his word. And the first thing I'd like to draw your attention to this afternoon is this, that Christians in this world will know times of being downcast. Christians in this world will know times of being downcast. Verse 5, For when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting with, without and fear within. A true Christian knows times when he's downcast. We know when we're downcast. And the word downcast simply means to, to be discouraged, to be low spirited, to be disheartened, to have a feeling of sadness and without hope. And this verse is reminding us that it is perfectly possible for. Christians living aright with God. It is perfectly possible for an importantly blessed and mature Christian to fall into such emotional anguish. Christians can and will fall into physical restlessness. We can fall into external conflicts and inward fears. This was the experience of the Apostle Paul. The mighty Apostle Paul. The one who's written about 13 letters in the New Testament. A man, as it were, who was caught up in the third heavens... And he opens up that window to see something of of that emotional anguish that he was going through. And this was because when he got to Macedonia, as he said, our bodies had no rest. There was affliction everywhere, wherever they turned. And he said they were fighting without, but also fears within. This is the state that he was going through. You could picture the Apostle Paul having traveled from Troas to Macedonia. And he tries to get some rest, and he can't. He would toss and turn, failing to get some sense of rest. He was not at peace. There's a sense in which you could read that there was this continued fatigue. And he tells us he was afflicted at every turn. Threats of persecutions, threats of violence, threats of quarrels everywhere. And there were these unresolved anxieties within himself. Added to that was the fact that he was also thinking of the Corinthians, the letter that he wrote to them. When you you read, you, you, you conclude that there must have been three letters, maybe even more that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. When you read 1 Corinthians, Paul begins concerning the things you wrote to me about. So there must have been this back and forth exchange. And so you see, Paul had written to them, admonishing them on a number of things. And Paul was not sure how they had received the news, his letter. He was now waiting for Titus to give feedback. And as Paul is waiting upon Titus, there is this emotional somersault or emotional anguish that he is going through and as he's going through that he helps us to see that christians in this world will have moments when they are downcast moments when they are disheartened moments when they feel sad Moments when they feel a sense of hopelessness. And we also see the examples throughout the scriptures. The prophet Jeremiah wrote under an entire book called Lamentations. Why he's just lamenting before God. A prophet that the Lord used. When you read the Psalms, you see something of that. Take time to read Psalm 69, Psalm 88, Psalm 102. You see what the psalmists are going through, they're, expre- they're, they're giving us this picture. Of being downcast, as I I use the words that that my soul is full of trouble and my life draws near to the grave. My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like the grass. Think of Elijah after defeating the prophets of Baal. Having been granted this great success, Defeated the prophets of Baal. And the next thing you read is that he's running from the threat of Jezebel. He runs, he runs away from the land of promise and defends under a tree. And he begins to, to cry to God. He's, he's downcast. He's wondering is there even a need to continue living? Think of Samson, when you read Judges, after defeating a thousand Philistines, with, with, with a jawbone, and even quotes a poem in his in his honor, heap after heap of ice struck a thousand Philistines. If you that's in Judges 15, and then now he reaches a point where the Lord brings him to a point where he's thirsty. And he feels like he's going to die. He's downcast and he cries out to the Lord. You can even read the patriarch Job and what he went through. That even when you read the book of Job, you begin to see that there's something blasphemous that he says before God. That means when he begins to tell God that one of the greatest injustices you've ever done to me was to allow me to see the break of the day. Why did you even allow me to be born? But when you read that, all in all, we must not think that all these individuals were not Christians they were Christians. They were going through a lot. Different emotional expressions are coming out. And this is true of all of us. There will be moments when we'll be downcast. We'll feel sad. We'll feel disheartened. We'll feel as if there's no point in living. Even the mighty Apostle Paul we see that in his life. even on a far more sublime level, our Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. There was something of being disheartened, though he did not sin against God. He was in distress. He knew his time had come. His mission was coming to an end. And when you read in Matthew chapter 26, verse 37 and 38, he he says these words. He began to be sorrowful, he began to show grief and distress of mind, and was deeply distressed. He was deeply depressed. Then he said to them, My soul is very sad and deeply grieved so that i'm almost dying of sorrow this is the ideal man the lord jesus christ the man who had never sinned but we see sense of being downcast there distressed For him, it's because it was his time to give his life as a sacrifice for the sins of the world was at hand. And he knew the Father. And he knew that he would be drinking the cup of wrath given to him by his beloved Father. And we see something of his state. You can imagine what the Mbewe family is going through at the moment, what our dear sister Sonila is going through. There's a sense that there's this downcast, there's some Emotions that words cannot explain. And these are Christians. People that have helped us along the way. And as they go through this moment, when they are downcast, it must remind us. That's true of all of us. There will be times like that. And when you go through such moments, we must not feel ashamed as Christians. When we, when we burst out in, emo, in, in emotions, it's the way God has created us it's how god helps us to deal with those distressing distressing moments that we go through the apostle paul opens a window into our life into his life and we see something of that but throughout Moments of being downcast. The Lord our shepherd is still with us. As we read in Psalm 23 about the good shepherd, we look at the psalm, you see that there will be ordinary days when the Lord our shepherd will lead us beside still waters where we lack nothing. There will be better days when he restores our souls. And there will be moments when we walk through the valley of the shadows of death. Richard Baxter wrote, and I quote, Christ leads us, or Christ leads me through no darker rooms than he went through before. And he that to God's kingdom comes must enter by this door. Christ leads me through no darker rooms than he went through before. And he that to God's kingdom comes must enter By this door. But the second thing I want us to see. Is that God comforts us. When we are downcast. God does comfort us. When we are downcast. Verse 6. But God. Who comforts the downcast. Comforted us. By the coming. Of Titus. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And that's what Apostle Paul wants us not to miss. That yes, we will be downcast. But God comforts us even in those moments when we are downcast. Because God is the fountainhead of all comfort. Be assured that God is going to comfort every one of his children. Be assured that God is going to be by the side of every one of his children. The same God who decreed and permitted everything that happens to his children is the same God who is going to comfort and be by their sides. In the case of the Apostle Paul, the same God who allowed him to go through this emotional anguish, conflict from every side, no rest, suffering an annoyance from those he minister to at every turn, God came through for him and comforted him and again this is what Paul writes to us in second corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3 chapter 1 and verse 3 of second corinthians blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ the father of mercies and the god of all comfort Who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And he's he's pointing us to that reality that we have the God of all comforts. And this God comforts us in our afflictions. And the word comfort is not a word that gives us this idea of a cozy, nice, spread bed. But when you break the word, it's a strong word. There is calm and fort. There is calm and fort, and it sounds like fortitude, fortress, or a fortitude. So when we think of comfort, it's, we often picture this nice cozy bed, nicely spread, and there are flowers on it, but it's a strong way that gives this idea of fortress, fortitude, it's a word that could be translated to encourage or to infuse courage. It's a word that can be translated to inspire another in belief or in the course of action. And its, it's literal meaning in the original language means to Call alongside. To call alongside. And this is a beautiful picture when you think of it. This word comfort, which means to call alongside. It's, it's a beautiful picture. It go, it, it, it's telling us this. God who is strong. He's calling us who are weak, frail, rugged, to come on his side so that he imparts his strength, his courage, his fortress in us so that we cope with the situation. He's not saying that God will spread the bed for you and you can throw yourself in that bed of rose. It's God is calling us. He's saying, come by my side. Oh, I'll come alongside you, and as I come alongside you, I will impart, infuse in you my strength, my courage, my fortress, so that this situation that is causing you to be downcast, you can see it through my lenses, and you can go through it through my strength. And as you do so, I am with you. I will neither leave you nor forsake you. I am with you, around you. I'm carrying you and I'm saying you are alongside me. The God who comforts us when we're downcast, He's the same God who created everything that we see around us. And Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, is perhaps the greatest commentary on God's power. When it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. His creation declare the wonder and the power of this God. And this God who created all these things is a God who is by your side, who is with you. He's a God who infuses his strength in you so that you are, you are not crushed as you go through that period when you're downcast. This God who sustains the world by the power of his hands He's a God who is by your side. He is your God. And He's saying He will comfort you. Surely, if God can create everything out of nothing, He can be trusted to comfort us. He is an infinite wise God. He knows the limitations of our human bodies. And therefore, He comforts us. God has no stereotyped way of dealing with us. He doesn't have one method of dealing with us. It's the same God, when you read the book of Acts, who allows Peter to be released out of prison and James to be killed. It's the same God who hears the prayers of his children and brings healing to one. And it's the same God who hears the prayers of his children and he says, I will still take my child home. He doesn't have one method to deal with his children. He's a God who still comforts us. And this is the joy of being a Christian. that while I may not put the puzzles, the pieces together together of this puzzle called life, while I may not figure out what method God is using to deal with me or with those around me, one thing is clear. He is the God of comfort. He's the God who comes into our lives and brings his comfort and helps us as we walk, he's by our side, strengthening us, navigating the path for us, and we tread behind, we fix our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And surely, if earthly fathers can comfort their children in distress. What about the almighty God? A God who has no sin, he comforts. And as he comforts his children, the ungodly notices. And as they notice, it sends a message to them, that these have a God, a God who comes through for them, that even when they have suffered loss, they don't go to look for the next witch doctor and begin to find who has caused this death. They bow on their knees and praise this God. And when the world sees And the unbelieving see, they can see that this is not pretense. This is real. There is something about these people, as they call this God, is someone they know. And they can see that. This is why God comforts us so that we are a means of channel of not only blessings to others, but to be trophies of God's amazing grace. You can see that even here, the Apostle Paul continued to labor with, before God. Even though there was this downcast, he still continued to serve this God. God comforts us when we are downcast but in the third place i would like us to see that god's comfort comes through the ministry of others god comforts us through the ministry of other christians through the ministry of other christians the last half of verse 6 into 7. But let's begin from the, the beginning of verse 6. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you, has he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. You could see there that this comfort, there is reciprocal comfort, reciprocal joy. That Titus comes, Paul is comforted, but Titus was comforted by the Corinthians. And now, as Titus brings the news to Paul, Paul rejoices at the coming of Titus, but also the news that Titus brings. So you see this dependent on one another, this reciprocal comfort and the reciprocal joy. Picture it for a moment. Paul is talking about the comfort that comes from a friend. His beloved son in the faith, Titus. Titus was young. Probably not as mature as the Apostle Paul. And one would think that Titus being not as mature as Paul, the task to comfort the apostle Paul must have been huge. We don't know what words he said. But Paul saying the coming of Titus brought comfort. It wasn't about how mature Titus was. But it's the fact that God uses the ministry of others to comfort us. And Paul rejoiced when Titus came, and then Titus brought the news. And that was glorious to the Apostle Paul. And this comfort came. He had looked for Titus at Troas, and Titus is finally here. Titus passed on the message from the the Corinthian church. How they longed to see Paul. As Paul was saying there that he had grieved them for a bit, but that produced repentance. And as Titus brought the news, Paul rejoiced that the Corinthian church was doing well. They were longing to see him, longing to be with him, longing to hear him expound the word of God once more. And there we see that this comfort we are talking about, God uses the ministry of others. He uses other believers to speak comfort to us. And this is why it is important for us to to always realize that we are a body. And when you are going through trials, when you are downcast, it's not a time to isolate yourself. It's not a time to insulate yourself and begin to wallow in tears and crying out to God. It is a time when God is saying, I have brought a family around you. Enjoy their company. Let them minister to you. Let them speak words that encourage you. Let them come by your side. You are not alone. You belong to a community of God's people. Let them plead with you before God. Let them carry your burden with you. in your discouragement don't underestimate god's work through other people don't there's no such a thing as lone ranger christians the only being who's self sufficient is God. He doesn't need anything outside of himself. He has full fellowship within the, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You and I need one another. Your weakness may be my strength. My weakness may be your strength. And therefore, as we come together as a body of believers, together we are strong Sometimes when you cry to God in those moments, when you're downcast, God says to you, go to your family. Go to your family. Oftentimes we want to isolate ourselves when there's a euphoria, a mirage. of believers who can minister to us. Now is the time for us as a church to rise and come alongside the Mbewe's and Sonile. Now is the time for us to practically bring the message of comfort to the family. We belong to one another. We can think of ways in which we can practically be of ministry to them in this moment. I know some of us would be thinking, Pastor Mbeo has been the one standing to preach it's not about how deep theologically we are. It's about showing that we are together. We belong to one another. We pray for them. We practically respond to them. Let them feel the love of God's people at Kawata Baptist Church. Let, the, let our sister Sonile know that her husband belonged to a church that loved him, that loved her, that loved the rest of the family. Let's also show that what we've heard from the lips of our pastor, we can implement them. We are practicing them. We are still serving God. Most of you know, Mansa was very close to me. Spend time, we would always find time to squeeze in a cup of coffee. And how many times I would be ministered by him. He would challenge me, he would minister to me, he would assure me that he's praying for me. And Now, that is no more. What is it that you love me to do? You should want me to continue serving the God he loved. To be there for God's people. To be there and show love to his family. And what greater joy to bring to him if on the day of judgment and as we stand before God we hear God saying to all of us when he called his child home we moved in, responded to the situation and showed that we are a body of God's people. God uses people around us. And we must always make sure we're there for one another. That's a ministry. That's why we are a church. It's not just to meet on Sunday and off we go until we meet again. We must be there for one another in the course of the week. Call one another find out about one another check on one another let love be real in our midst and let no christian feel isolated at kabwata baptist church in this world of toys and snare we will be downcast. But we have a good God. We have a good God. The goodness of God is a fact which the Bible testifies to. It is a fact which every Christian should believe and embrace. But more than that, the goodness of God is a perspective through which all of life's experienced experiences, experiences rather, should be viewed. The goodness of God is a foundational truth that should shape our perspectives towards God. And his dealings with us in this life. God is good all the times. He is originally good. Good of himself. He is essentially good. Not only good, but his goodness himself. Our goodness is super it's a super added quality to us. But God's goodness is his nature. He doesn't need to, to work at being good. He is an infinite ocean of goodness. All goodness dwells in him. He is eternally and immutably good. He cannot be less good. There is no addition of goodness to him. That even in this moment, God is. He is good. And the core of the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, shows His goodness to us sinners. That miraculous goodness that moved the Father to send His Son to die for our sins. It's the same goodness that is operating even in this moment. A good God gave his son for our sins and a good God has taken one away from us. He is a good God. And let this shape our foundation of all truths of the scriptures, our views of God, how we relate to this God. He is good. And even when we are downcast, he is a good God. He knows what we are going through. He will comfort us. Let that goodness of God in us given to us in Christ show itself in how we respond to situations of life, and now we worship this God. May His name be praised. Amen.